I'm just going with the flow. So, You're listening to Three Wise Truck Guys from Key Advisors. Hey, welcome to the Three Wise Truck Guys. This is uh, our December Christmas broadcast. So Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, all those happy holiday things to everybody out there. We hope that you're enjoying this time of year. It's a very special time of year. Mark and John, welcome to you again, as always. So it's good to see both of you. Well, thanks to have us, Keith. It's always my pleasure. Righty ho, Keith. Glad to be here. All right. So no guests this time. So either uh, we're going to get people to shut this thing off right now or uh, they'll be wow. really in tune. We're going to wow them, Keith. This we is going to be it. The cat's pajamas right here. We, Stay we tuned. Will. We will. We will. So, John, why don't you take us through uh, the normal exercise that we do first, which is in the last 30 days, something that you observed that was outstanding and something that you observed that was maybe, eh, so, let's, let's see if we can improve on that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think uh, my thing that I've seen, and it's, it's really um, the Rush uh, Tech uh, seminar has been going on. A lot of publications, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of information, a lot of uh, published by that in the trade periodicals. So, but I'm going to paint that under a little bit a broader thing. It's just employee recognition. I see I see dealers in general getting a little better at this. And uh, you know, if you go on websites and if you look under the news sections, there's a lot of information about either trade fairs or employee recognition or somebody recognized by this state association or something. I think uh, dealers are, are have made big steps forward in terms of understanding. One of the reasons their people leave is because they don't feel like they're they're appreciated. You know, we've gone back and looked at uh, at some of this research, and for the last 30 years, the number one reason people quit is because they don't like their boss. But the, shortly followed by that, they don't think their work they do is meaningful, and they're not recognized for the work that they do. So I think uh, dealers are getting better at this, and uh, I've seen a lot of that in the last 90 days in, in the trade publications and stuff. So I think that's uh, very, very positive. Uh, Keith, uh, it's, a, it's a used truck guy you're talking to, right? So on the worst side, I gotta, I gotta throw a thought out there. But uh, you know, the sleeper market has turned. It's a new day in the sleeper market, and if you've made some investment mistakes on uh, on sleeper tractors. It's just going to get worse, and we'll, we'll talk about that more later. But, uh, you know, if you're not managing your assets in the used truck sleeper sector, I think the rest of the market remains pretty solid. But the sleeper sector has gotten squishy, and it's going to go worse. Don't hide. Don't stick your head in the sand. This problem isn't going to take care of itself. You step up to this right now and manage your assets and, and, and make sure that you've got your inventory right-sized and your investments uh, right-sized in your so, John, just how long have you been preaching that message of managing your assets? Like 40 years, I think. Well, let's see. Uh, it's probably longer. So let's just leave it at 40. How about there, that? There we go. There we go. It's, it's the, it is the uh, ongoing message, right? That's year in, year out. It's most important to heed that information when the market's going from one inflection point down to a much lower point, okay? Yeah. And I repeat, these problems do not take care of themselves. You've got to step up to it, and you've got to manage your way through that. And the sooner you do that, the less economic pain you're going to incur in the long run. Step up to it. Yep. Thanks, John. Mark, how about you? What do you got? You know, I gave this some thought, and uh, uh, I really can't tell whether this is which one is good or which one is bad. But what I've really noticed is some dealers stepping up to these EV mandates by their OE 
uh, or suggestions in some case, depending on the OE, and some dealers not choosing choosing not to do it. And I'm not sure where I stand on this. What I do know, uh, doing a little research, is that uh, all the OEs are pushing this. In fact, uh, uh, the the uh, there's been been recommendations or rec or or experts saying that the North American market will have 54 different manufacturing offering manufacturers offering more than 100 EV models in a year or two for commercial truck. A lot of new players coming aboard, okay, let alone what you're dealing with with your current OE and so forth, okay. The investments based on what, what I can see are a minimum of 500000 and some of them run up to $1.2 million, just the initial investment to be able to sell and service OEs. Then you have all the extra costs, okay, of, of remanaging your fixed operations. Estimates show up to 40% less aftermarket spending. That's parts and service. 40% less. There's not as many parts, but the parts that there are may take more labor, which is a good thing, uh, unless they find continue to find ways to do more and more over the air or or uh, download, so to speak, in my uh, vernacular. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously suspension parts and brakes and so forth will be there, but is it going to be more maintenance and less real repair, less builds? Okay, so I, I, I don't know, again, which one's good or which one's bad, okay, but, uh, and we'll probably talk more about this as we go through, okay, but uh, uh, it's coming, and, and I think it's coming now, and uh, making that decision, are you going to be a player or not, uh, you know, on the car side, I know we don't deal much with car dealers, but I can tell you for sure that GM is taking the stance that if you don't adopt and invest for the EVs, you're not going to be a dealer. Well, Ford is segregating their business and will have internal combustion dealers, uh, electric EV dealers, and breaking out commercial dealers as well. It's almost as three different franchises, but they haven't used that word. So some big decisions for everybody coming up, and I think the time is pretty clear, and I'm sure we'll talk about that some more. Very good. That is a huge one. You know, I, I, it's interesting. We've been having these EV discussions, I think all three of us have with, with our customers. And I was reading something, gosh, it was, can't remember where I was, where I was reading it at. It had nothing to do with, with anybody writing about this industry, about the automotive industry either. But he was referencing the EV market and, and his take was pay attention to what, Toyota is saying, which Toyota is saying something along the lines of, yes, we believe there's going to be an EV market, but that's not where we're putting the bulk of our R&D. The bulk of our R&D, we want to see what happens in the hydrogen and, and in that type of, of uh, power market. So it's inter interesting right now still the, the, the different manufacturers all have different takes on, on what this means. And so it's... Uh, there's not, not uh, doesn't appear to be one size fit all. So John, I'm going to go along with, with your uh, employee comment about what's happening. And, and I saw this within the same dealership group, both my good and bad for the, for the month. So 
the good part of it was was the recognition by the dealer principal um, that the the emerging leaders class that we're doing right now that they want to go ahead and start bringing in their next generation if you will their next generation of of leaders into a class within the next six months they want to start developing this next generation and moving them along quickly um, because they've got to retain these people on the flip side of that was was what was happening and this was in the parts department but i think it happens everywhere was they had a pretty good idea of what this department management director and so forth level might look like, but the recruiting efforts to to bring in the people that they probably need more than anything right now, which is warehouse people, drivers, eventually being counter people, is a, it looks like the same ad, the same help wanted ad that would have been placed 20 years ago. You know, something along the lines of needed one warehouse person, eight to eight to five thirty, um, ten twenty five an hour, and the you know the lack of creativity. And this is just that one dealer group, and I don't. It's certainly not unique to them. But the lack of creativity, the lack of thought, I would say, in approaching finding not just a body, but trying to recruit somebody that that wants to be in that warehouse position. And warehouse may be as far as they go. It may be a warehouse manager. That may not be part of their ongoing career path. That, that, you know, so I think what's, what, what's happening right now, I think what, what um, to your point, John, the people that are getting good at this are starting to say, these career paths that we've had historically probably aren't the right, necessarily aren't the, the correct career paths ongoing. Um, we've Mark, you and I've had this discussion many times of the best tech becoming a an advisor or or a service manager. That's probably not the career path. Right. You know, it's, it's just probably not that career path. And so, being very thoughtful and um, uh, meaning or not meaningful, but um, can't think intentional um, with that career path is is becoming, I think. And that's what I want to talk to later on is just becoming a real, real differentiation point for these dealers, the ones that are profitable and the ones that aren't. In too many cases, just having a career path, period. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. You know, Keith, as dealers grow and get bigger, we're seeing more of them uh, have vice president of HR on their right. organization charts. Right? I'm not convinced that the engagement between the dealer principal and the vice president of HR to be proactive and forward thinking is there just yet. Okay. Right. I fact, agree with that. As I think about 2023, when we get there, that's, a, that's on my list of things to talk about. We have to take the next step in that progression. Yep. So let's go ahead and let's move to, uh, to, to the, the crux of our, of our discussion today, which is um, a look back at this 2022 year, which I think has been a fascinating year. It's been a really interesting year. There's it's the profitability has been extraordinary. There's been um, certainly challenges with supply chain and production and employee issues. But let's let's just pick a topic and, and John, I'll let you start. 
why don't you pick a topic you'd like to talk to and let's kick that around a little bit as to what we've seen in 2022, some of the major things that are impacting this market. Yeah, you know, Keith, uh, since you mentioned supply chain, I'm going to I'm going to start there if it's OK. But, you know, one of the things that we've seen and it, we started to see it in 2021, but it was it was with us throughout 2022 was the balancing act that dealers had to go through to adjust to OEM production schedules. Right. I mean, uh, th- this isn't just uh, customer satisfaction either, by the way. I mean, you've got salesmen who had trucks sold that were committed to be delivered in this particular month that uh, got kicked back into 2023 or maybe got canceled altogether. Okay. So this is a huge customer satisfaction issue, but it's also an issue for your sales manager trying to make sure that you've got productive sales capacity in place to, to move to the future and, uh, and didn't have all your salesmen quit on you. So this was, uh, this was an enormous challenge for the industry. Um, I think we are starting to see significant progress with selected OEMs improving their production throughput. And as they look to 2023, they're in a much better shape than, than some of the other OEMs that haven't made as much progress. But I think this was a really big issue. And I tip my cap to those dealers that were able to keep all of their sales guys, new sales guys, used sales guys in place and, and, and still be able to uh, pick up the phone, call their customers and, and uh, and work with them. It was a it was a big challenge in 2022. I would agree with that, and I I would say to go along with that was just the the challenge now that that the parts department had with with supply chain, and the the ripple effect that it, it had through service in particular. Right. Um, you, you know, certainly with the with the retail customer, but. But the, the ability to get a truck back on the road, I know, Mark, we've talked about, you know, this open open repair order report that, that we look at all the time. That thing has expanded, right. you know, that, that we look at at the end of the month. Working processes up and uh, uh, parts and service, it's, it, it is an exact ripple effect. You can't get new trucks. The older the truck's on the road, the more service and maintenance it needs. So there's been over demand in fixed operations particularly based on an already low capacity of, of technicians from the service side. So. Yeah, I, I think that this this one thing, John, I mean, and I, I'm with you, the kudos to the dealers that have figured this out, that have been able to keep their customers in tow, if you will, and keep them engaged and understanding and keep the salespeople engaged and because uh, this has been a tough, tough chore. You know, uh, Mark, just to kind of build on what you were saying, too, I think another big theme of 2022 is uh, is the, the fixed operations side of the business, which has drove extraordinary levels. Of the, when we look back on 2022, our, our clients, our dealers are going to say, can I go back and do 2022 over again? Because the level of profitability that, you, that your typical dealership has seen this year has been has been extraordinary. And these, my friends, are the good old days right here. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And and demand has exceeded capacity as an industry for quite a number of years, but it was exponential in 2022. Uh, again, they couldn't get new trucks. They had to keep the other trucks on the road. Then with the supply chain issues on the parts side, trucks were sitting sometimes for months. Okay. But there were some dealers quite a few dealers, I guess that would be the good story, that went out of their way to find parts, even if they weren't OE parts, and get authorization 
from the OE to install those parts to get, at least on a temporary basis. And in some cases, taking that cost on themselves to keep the customer happy uh, and, and to get the truck back up. And other ones that, unfortunately, back to your discussion about uh, hiring better people and having career path and feeling like you're meaningful at the dealership and so forth. Unfortunately, some uh, parts departments did not do that. And I'm sure the same thing was in service. We don't have parts just, just parking on the side and just go on to the next truck because there's plenty of trucks waiting in line to get in. Yeah, I, I, I think that one of the fallouts from this um, that, that I'm interested to see what happens, and I don't, I don't know, Mark, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are in terms of, of the fixed ops momentum going into 2023 and, you know, 2024. But you know, there was, in many ways, and, and John, I guess, kind of changing the subject here, but you talked about profitability. Profitability was great. I mean, it was, it probably, probably was the record year. As you said, this is the good old day right now. I, I wonder, I wonder how much of, how much, I don't know what the right word is, uh, waste, looseness, whatever you want to call it, there still is in this, in this fixed op side, at least, and John, maybe even on the, on the variable side, but you know, there's, it still appears that, that because this was fairly, not that it wasn't challenging, but the ability to generate gross profit was maybe easier in some ways too than it's been. Well, um, to, 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 but to that point, okay, I think they created more gross profit sometimes in spite of themselves. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say, yeah. Mark. Okay, the, the, uh, the amount of waste, the amount of opportunity left on the table grew exponentially as well. And, and I was trying to allude to that not very well about it comes down to people wanting to do their job, which goes back to career paths and management and so forth. You know, we've had a technician shortage for years. It's been all over the, the news and the trade rags uh, talking about how do you get technicians and everybody had their own idea, build your own, which is extremely expensive and so forth. Okay. But it's at a point now where it's almost a bidding contest for technicians that, that are at master level or even B technicians slightly below master level. Finding an experienced technician is super hard and the dealers that haven't woke up and haven't changed, not just money to your point earlier, John, but, but feeling part of something, getting feedback, feeling like I'm meaningful to the team, knowing what my role is even, not just always pushing me for more hours, more hours, more hours. Okay. Uh, it's, it's critical to retaining those employees, uh, which I guess without getting too deep into this goes back to the whole culture thing and, yeah. and the career path and having a plan an HR director that, that really is on it. Okay. But, uh, but all of those things kind of bubbled up. So yeah, they had high profits, uh, and volume was higher, but it's just, it's, it scares me the dealers I've seen how much was left on the table uh, because of poor systems, poor structure, uh, rotating <coughs> staff, and so forth. Keith, I, I think um, the picture we're painting here is missed opportunity, right? Uh, but yeah. if when we when we see some final numbers or when we crank through the numbers that we see, I think what we're going to find is that this was fixed operations driven. Yeah. 
I think we may see from a uh, margin percentage standpoint, we may see some pretty exciting numbers on the new truck or the used truck side, okay? But uh, the availability of product wasn't there, right? The, the margin dollars, which is what we're really trying to drive towards. Right. That's that's what we really wanted. And I think the margin dollars on the, on the variable ops side is going to be a finite, constrained by OEMs, constrained by used truck uh, market uh, limitations as we move through 2021. But parts and service will will drive the profitability equation in 2022. And, and as we just got done saying, the only thing that's bad about that is it could have been so much better. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's, right. that's well said. Hey, Keith, another big one this year is uh, maybe you can talk about this one, but uh, how about consolidation in the networks or uh, expansion, however you want to frame that one? So I think uh, certainly, John, you and I get get um, a lot of communication, if you will, and and probably more than that. And Mark, I know you have this, this discussion with several of your close dealer friends, too, but this has been an interesting year for that. I, I don't know. John, you probably have a better feel for the quote pace, right? As as in terms of of how many of these these things were sold and bought and and how many are left and those types of things. But um, it sure seems to me like the pace continues to accelerate on this. That the number of owners continues to decline, the number of rooftops owned continues to grow. But to me, the most fascinating piece of the puzzle on this uh, for me is this entrance of, I don't know if I'd call it third party money. Um, it's not private equity money. It's really not a private equity fund. It's it's more of, of places that have investment funds that are looking to, to invest. They're not in it in a, in a, in a, in a um, typical investment banking private equity type of scenario where they want to buy and slash and burn and, and flip. They're in it to, to develop a long-term strategy, it appears. We had another one just reach out to us, give or take a month ago, that's wanting to buy, you know, that they look at this as being their next big place to park money at. They've they've gone to the car market, they've parked some money there and, and own some stores now they want to look at this market and um, I think there's the pressures of the of the OE that are continuing on this I think then there's the pressures now of this third party money coming in and making bids and making um, buy sell decisions that probably some some people in this market haven't seen before and I think then you've got the the other piece of it and whether it's limiting it is limiting but it's also if you do it well it's it kind of unshackles you a little bit and that goes back john to what you talked about earlier this whole employee thing right there is a there's a level of sophistication now that's needed to run one of these big operations that is hard to find it's it's a it's a really really hard skill set to find um, and it's it's needed, and I think that um, it's not just about having the money to buy one of these. It's it's now becoming the ability to to execute on that investment and really make it 
happen because there's some economies of scale yeah. that you can pick up you know, if you do it well. Keith, you're right. Uh, we're walking a, a I think what this shows is an evolution in the way OEMs think about uh, who's going to be their franchisees, right? Uh, if you go back 10 years ago, the thought of having private capital, uh, there was somebody who had a, a primary duty to the shareholders as opposed to the OEM, that, that was abhorrent. They didn't, that, that was not likable at all. But, you know, 10 years later, you got Rush. Uh, they have kind of plowed most of the ground on this and, and uh, done a good job there. And, and um I think I think OEMs are getting comfortable with with having somebody other than a person being their point of contact and, and how they manage their relationship with the distribution. I that's do a, too, and I, I, that's a change ahead, John, for this year. Yeah, I do too, and I think that it's it's not just a a level of comfort. I think it from I th- let me back up. I think it is a level of comfort, but I think it's it's some of it is driven by the natural um, culture, the natural uh, aspects of private equity money, of of that in of that third party investment type of fund, um, where it is, it's really just passionate. You know, there's not a lot of passion in it. It is the 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 objective of that investment is really one thing. Yeah. It's to generate hey. a return. Just uh, one thing, along with that and having private money in the game, uh, you know, we've seen multiples creep higher this year, yeah, too, right? So these guys have no shortage of money. They're creeping. Uh, multiples are creeping higher. These these deals are getting, as there's fewer and fewer contracts out there in the marketplace, uh, that's another factor that's causing the multiples to creep higher. But uh, the uh, the private capital and somebody else's money is, is also contributing to that. Yep. Do you think that this is that the small dealer, that single point, that two, three point location, is that what goes away? Or is do we end up with a market of of that small single point, two, three point dealer and then these behemoths and really nothing in the middle? Yeah, I think we're uh, I think we're seeing both things right now, right? The, the, the private capital isn't going to go after a minor dealer in a minor market. Right. It's, uh, you know, the due diligence costs and the effort is just too expensive. They're, they're looking for the bigger entities, and, and we'll continue to see that. But I also think concurrent with that, we have a, a lot of smaller dealers, and an 8% inflation this year certainly helped the thinking here with some of these smaller dealers evolve. But, you know, the lack of scale that some of these smaller dealers have has started to become really evident when they look at their uh, when they look at their bottom lines, okay. So yeah. you got you got these large the, the big guys are getting bigger. They're starting to show up in the small guys' towns. And now they clearly don't have the cost structure to compete against them. And then you sprinkle some inflation on top of that. And I think there's been a realization that uh, a lot of these smaller guys are going to have to get a, and are aggressively moving to get out of the market as we yeah. speak. I think that's been really the catalyst. There's there's been some some whale hunting going on this year, but I really think it's uh, the smaller dealers selling out to existing dealers. That's really uh, been the catalyst behind the velocity that we've seen in this year's uh, M and a activity. Yep. I agree with that. Yeah. Mark, what, what do you, what have you observed along these lines? Well, I really don't get to that level very often. Okay. What, what I have observed okay is exactly what you're talking about okay a lot of consolidation and for those that were big enough a lot of expansion as well new buildings uh new new points 
uh, satellite points and so forth, trying to keep up great. somehow. Yeah, yeah, that's a great so, point, Mark. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think they're trying. Okay, uh, either they're trying to get big enough to sustain themselves and correct their cost structure, or they're trying to build something that's more saleable with the multiples that you talked about, John. Okay. Mark, the only thing I'd add to that is the guys that are investing in new markets and investing in new buildings and new facilities generally aren't the guys that have come to the realization that they're going to get out of the pool. It's right. it's the guys who've made the long-term commitment and now are going to serve every inch of their real estate as efficiently and effectively as they can. Uh, but But certainly, to your point, there's been some big guys and there's been some economies of scale driving the small guys out. But but that's just half the story. The other half is the additional investments that people have been making in, in their people, in their facilities, in their processes. Uh, uh, 2022 was a year of investment in this industry. Yeah. Or it should have been if they weren't doing that. If you're going to be here in 2023, you were right. investing in 2022. Right. Yeah. 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 So, hey, you know, Keith, I think, go ahead, John. Uh, just one yeah. last thought. You wouldn't respect me if I, as a used truck guy, if I didn't make a used truck comment and hear about uh, 2022. Look, uh, we saw this in, in 2021, the market uh, skyrocketed to heretofore levels that none of us could have ever imagined. Uh, you know what? Gravity returned <laughs> to the market in, uh, in 2022. And if you weren't paying attention, uh, this could really be painful. Um, you know, my, my problem with the pundits in the industry is they continue to paint all these sectors with the same brush. The day cab sector, the vocational sector, the medium duty truck sectors remain vibrant, strong, heading into 2023. We're going to be great. The sleeper sector, you know, when, when OEM started to increase their build rates, they started doing that with the highest margin trucks they probably could. And typically those are high content trucks. And that's another way of describing a sleeper. Okay. So the, uh, the increased retail activity that we're seeing is oriented around sleeper tractors. Uh, that is starting, that has driven used truck supply for sleeper tractors higher, starting to drive inventory levels higher. We're already seeing pricing in that sector. Uh, in 2022, the market returned to earth and especially in the sleeper sector where we're already starting to see some sweaty palms and nervous behavior. Well, you, you beat me to the punch because that was my next question I was going to ask you about. Okay, so. sorry, man. No, no, that's all right. Just like me that's to get out right. in front of the course, huh? That's all right. <laughs> you get run over. You know, I think, um, so we've got, with the emerging leaders classes that we've got going on, we've got two of them now that are moving into the week four, which is the the new and used truck week. So we've got the used truck study going right now. And I'll be very interested to see what the results of that are. You know, does it, certainly the one that we did mid-year last year was was an anomaly, you know, because of it was, not only were they appreciating, it was appreciating so fast it didn't make sense. It's going to be very interesting to see what it looks like now um, and, and see if we're falling back into line in terms of the number of days it takes for it to drop below a, a zero on the grossing patterns and the recon efforts and those types of things. So look forward to seeing that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, th I think it's, as we talked about before, this whole theme of asset management still holds true for really every department. Well, buckle up in the sleeper sector. That's the that's the there message. You if you're listening to this podcast, a couple of key takeaways, uh, that, that would certainly be one of them from my there perspective. 
Mark, how about you? you? Got anything else that you want to talk about regarding 2022? Uh, just uh, again, from from fixed operation standpoint, I think we kind of beat that horse already. But the uh, uh, the technician shortage—it's not about—it's not just about hiring more technicians, more inventory, but retaining those that you have. And uh, some dealers are focusing on that well. Others are not, and they're losing techs, okay? And uh, uh, 2023, when we turn our attention there, is going to be even more pivotable. Pivotable. Is that a word? P pivotal. Pivotal. We'll use, we'll use that. As, as Thank you, John. Okay. Good for something. I, I don't want to look too stupid on this call, right? So I, I don't, you know, the only other thing I've got that's, uh, and we've kicked it around some, and I think it'll, we can use it as a transition point to, to 2023 is, and Mark, you talked to it with, with just the retention of people, but this whole employee thing continues to be a big, big issue in every department, um, finding, recruiting people, finding people, retaining people. Um, <clears throat> I think we've got better at it as an industry. I think we still have a long ways to go. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see a lot of signs that we've gotten better other than than the rushes and, and, and so forth that have focused on it. If you read the press releases, if they're doing as good as all the uh, news articles, okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, do you really believe they're moving in that direction fast? I, I, I think there's some, I don't think the industry as a whole is has moved this fast, but I think there is, I think again, there are some that are starting to say, I've got to figure out a way to handle my employee, my my employee investments, much differently than I have in the past, um, <clears throat> because it is so. I mean, we talked about the waste earlier, the the lost opportunity, not waste, the lost opportunity. There was a lot of that is being driven by the fact of of not having the head counts, or the needed the the right head counts. To, to cover what they needed, at least on the fixed, the fixed op side. I know it's different on the, on the variable side, but I think it's, um, I think you have some mark that are that, are getting better at it. Um, I think there's still a long ways to go. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I agree. I agree. A long way to go. Okay. So I, I think that takes us to 2023 because I still think this is this employee thing is going to be an overriding factor. But I think there's another thing that, that's going to play into that. And John, you and Mark talked about that before we got on the air. And I think John, you both called it what the year of the, the year of the EV or something like that, 2023. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So, so first of all, from the personnel standpoint, okay. Um, uh, you know, the things, if you're going to retain employees, having an onboarding process, having the structure built so that the the employee is successful, giving them feedback, giving them a clear role description of what's going, what, what, what their role is in the team, okay, uh, and providing that meaningfulness is just as important, if not more, than money, all right, in any department, all right, and that historically... Uh, hasn't happened in the majority of the dealerships that I've visited. So, so it starts there. Uh, don't throw people at a process problem. 
which we did some in 2022 because we were so busy. All right. But, but fix the processes to be efficient. Uh, how many times Keith, have you gone into a dealership or John and, and you seen somebody that they hired that you, you knew they were hiring and he had great credentials and was very successful in his previous job and they may have paid him a premium to get him, Okay. And, and he's gone already or he has learned the ways of that culture and it's no longer the highly productive employee. And that, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Probably not real good at putting it into words. Okay. But, but having the structure, the onboarding plan, the culture. Okay. Just, just a, you know, a, a documented process of how we do business. Okay. So that you can, if you, and if it's not working perfectly, you've got a starting point to make the corrections for continuous improvement. Agreed. Now you pile on top of that, the EV deal and the investments that the dealers are looking at making a decision about. And I frankly don't know what I would do if I was in that situation. I do believe EVs are coming, whether we want them or not. I don't believe the infrastructure is in place, but it, but from what I read, all the states or most of the states are passing laws and and uh, the federal government is providing funding. There's a big bill in front of Congress right now for infrastructures regarding EVs. I do think uh, it won't be just electric. I do think some of it will be hydrogen and uh, I'm not sure we'll go back to natural gas. Okay, but uh, hydrogen seems to be a big topic when you read the article. So those are two big topics I think we probably should discuss a little bit more for about 2023. John, I'll turn it to you because you, uh, yeah. you guys know this better than I do. I, uh, I, I certainly agree with Mark. Uh, you know, when I put my themes for 2023 on my scratch pad here, uh, one of the themes I had is demand for quality managers will intensify. And Keith, to some extent, we, we just got done talking about that. We've got right. larger players that are well capitalized out there and they're going to want to come in and they're going to want to find the best available talent that they can and they're going to pay top dollar for it okay so if you're if you're satisfied with your quality team the quality of your management team right now you better be thinking real hard about uh, how do i defend my position on this you need to be thinking about terms with your with your vice president of hr you need to be thinking about terms like long-term compensation agreements I, i've seen a handful of dealers do this with extraordinary success okay so it's not like these managers aren't going to take this idea and internalize it okay you have to be thinking broader than just what am i paying my guy today you need to be thinking about long-term compensation you need to be thinking about career planning and 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 you know one of the things that strikes me as a little bit uh, ironic is when I was with an OEM, we spent a lot of time in having disciplined HR processes, performance reviews, annual updates, you know, discipline was all oriented around your, your performance goals and your beginning of the year performance assessment and, and your improvement plan, okay? And dealers, that's always been kind of foreign to them, okay? But I'm here to tell you, uh, successful managers use HR 101 and goal setting processes really effectively to to you know establish themselves as a capable manager and a, and a reasonable person i just think uh dealers are going to have to get so much better not just at, at the exotics like long-term compensation but at the 
basics of employee management and setting goals and managing performance. I think that's going to be critical in, in 2023. And then I think my last point here is, uh, you know, money alone isn't going to solve this. Uh, having said that, uh, 8% inflation, you better be prepared to have your budget for 2023 reflect higher uh, personnel costs than you had in 2022. And it probably better be between 8 and 10% higher if you're being realistic with yourself. And, and to that point, John, if, if we're hiring, if we're, we're paying more for that personnel and, and hopefully these, these higher uh, skilled managers are able to, to pull up the rest of their staff, all right, because the frontline workers are the ones getting the work done, right? Okay. Uh, but if we're going to do that, structuring my process and building the structure that supports that process and making it efficient for those frontline employees means we might be able to get more done with less of them if we're paying them more, right? That's a possibility. I like the, I like the thinking. Uh, it's no, just it works. The efficient yeah. execution over time makes me a little reluctant to put too many eggs in that basket. Yeah. Well, but that's what I'm talking about. So, you know, a, a prime example in the service department, we all know I'm the service guy, Okay, it's proficiency. It's how many hours, what what percentage of the hours I bought did I sell? Okay, uh, industry-wide, I would guess we're at 65 or 70% on average. Okay, but their store is running 100%, and it's not about pay. It's not about incentives. They pay them well, but there's not big productivity bonuses or efficiency bonuses and so forth. It's about the structure and the training and the execution and removing waste from the process. And that's what I'm talking about at the front line. And yeah. hopefully the better the better manager that understands how to manage a business versus the guy that was a great technician. By the way, that's how I came up. Okay. But but I'm smarter than the average guy, right? Sure. But anyway, okay, the sure. you know, hopefully that that lends itself to look for the structure and the processes and, and the waste process waste management and so forth to do that. So I think it's a combination of not just higher caliber managers, but managers that are enabled to, to get to these people and pull them up, not push it down. And I'm sorry if I'm getting out of soapbox here. Okay. No, it's but, I, I think there's, there's a lot of truth in, in this because in terms of the, in terms of this higher caliber leader, manager, whatever you want to call it. Cause I think it's both. It's a, it's a leader and it's a manager that, that can, can lead in these things. I, this this level of sophistication that is needed to to run a forty store group, and to be able to to not just run but to lead that thing successfully, is so much different than than what was needed to run a four store group. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's it is just uh, it is. And there's a whole lot of of attributes to that. It's not just being able to pick apart a financial statement or understanding. Um, you know the impact. What what do you do to drive proficiency in that and and that number? It's it's a mark. You talk to it. You know that that ability to to take that group of people and raise them up, and that's that's that leadership quotient that right. um, you know that that we we all talk to a whole lot. John, let's talk about EVs. You know uh, we're. I, I actually think. Um, all the dealers out there got indoctrinated to the vocabulary of EV. 
in 2022. So most of them have called their electric companies and found out if I want a fast charging station, if I want a slow charging station, how much is it going to cost me? Am I going to be able to get the power to do that, right? right? And uh, and if I'm in the school bus business and I need <laughs> I need 150 of those stations, how in the heck am I going to do that? Okay, so I think in 2022, everybody got exposed to the vocabulary, what the issues are, and how we're going to start trying to come to grips with those. I think in 2022, we saw some glimpses in terms of the product strategy, maybe even 2021, glimpses in terms of the product strategy. Keith, my comments here are EV, not not fuel cell technology, right, okay? Right. So I'm, I'm just really kind of talking about that sector of, uh, of the market. And, um, but I think in 2023, OEMs are going to have to start putting their money where their mouth is and making some investment decisions. I think they've been talking about it a lot in 22. I think in 2023, we'll start to see specific investments that are going to shine some light and give dealers more specific guidance in terms of what's expected of them in terms of investment and facilities and infrastructure, in terms of investment in, in personnel and training, in terms of tooling. I think 2023 is the year that EV will start to come into focus just a little bit more. Uh, that'd be my my take on 2020, on EV in 2023. Okay. <clears throat> How does that play in, John, to, uh, to the OE dealership relationship? Does it? Are the demands from the OE going to be ramped up as well as this comes along? Yeah, I guess uh, Mark had some interesting stories about, uh, you know, how the car guys are trying to execute this. Um, you know, look, the, the, the truck story is a little, uh, Tesla just released its first uh, vehicle last week, right? And that's uh, kind of outside your traditional right. uh you know, five brand, class eight brand. Uh, so, so I think some of that, I don't know that I have a great answer for that, Keith, to be candid with you. Um, I think to some extent it's new wine and an old skin, right? Some of the issues are going to be the same. Ultimately it all comes down to how do we support the customer the most effectively. Right. And, uh, and in that sense, a lot of the challenge <laughs> and the interaction on the process that the dealers and the OEs use to, to engage each other will look pretty, pretty familiar. Uh, some of the specific substantive issues may change just a little bit. Well, I think that's what's happening on the car side. The, the two different approaches. They're the only two on the car side that have that have uh, publicized uh, their direction of where they're going. Okay. Uh, the uh, the truck side, I could not find any specific uh, mandates made to dealers to take it. Okay, although I know they're talking to dealers about it. Uh, uh, Gary Ream had a article and alluded to that, but without any real detail. Okay, so uh, it, it's coming, and I think that's the biggest uh, the biggest thing you need to think about if you're a dealer, okay, is be ready for it. And I do think it will affect it will affect the OE dealer relationship. All right because they're going to ask the dealers to spend a lot of money. There's, uh, I forget which, but there's a fairly significant uh, number of states, certainly not a majority, uh, that are, are have laws on the books now for OEs to be able to sell direct. And, there, you know, there's dealer agreements there. There's a whole bunch of lawyers. They'll sort all that out. Okay. Uh, but uh, uh, so... You know, I, I, all I'm saying is I don't know, but I would, to your point, I think you said earlier, John, 
be aware that it's coming in 2023. It's going to be the year that it starts getting illuminated. All these things have to be flushed out, but we probably should be thinking about it now. Don't you agree? Well, look, yes, absolutely. And I would also say to you, I hope nobody on this podcast is too concerned about always getting in the direct sales game. Okay. Because I've, <laughs> I've been on the dealer side of that. And as a, as an OEM, your chances of uh, prevailing in, in states is uh, not good. And, uh, and so really, I, I think the, the I balance, agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I think the balance and the posture most OEMs are going to take is this is about the customer and making sure the customer's product is supported and running. And, and our brand is enhanced when our EV vehicles are up and running. And how do we work together to make that happen? Uh, you know, from a tools and a shop perspective, Mark, this isn't that we've sort of seen this with hybrid vehicles maybe 10 years ago. It wasn't a sea level change in terms of tooling and investment that you needed. There's hoist and maybe some 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 investment that you have to make because, uh, you know, the battery packs are so heavy. So there's going to be some investment required by the dealers. But in terms of order of magnitude versus uh propane or cng or right. i think it's much much less uh, right no no i would agree with that john okay the other side of it though uh as i alluded to earlier is the if it is truly a 40 percent uh volume cut and the part side for parts and service that's going to affect a lot of things okay that's a game changer uh, yeah that's a game changer so uh so they may not be spending as much on the fixed operation side to to uh, to get ready for this training will probably be fairly significant, but but no more than any other new engine probably either. I don't know. Okay, but the uh, but if it affects us even twenty five percent of the repairs that we make, that's pretty significant. Okay. Well, the one thing I think we know for sure is that the way. EV products are going to be feathered into the marketplace. Not going to Today, yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. And so we're all going to have some time to learn and adjust as we move forward on this. Um, you know, today you're not going to sell any EVs without uh, subsidies and support from uh, municip- from the from the government in some way, shape, or form. Okay, so um, you know, there's a lot of things that have to happen in terms of economies of scale to get the product to come down in terms of cost where it's marketable. This will. 2023 will be the year when a lot of decisions start to get made and this thing comes into focus a little bit better. But I don't know that it's going to require sea level change in terms of investment at the dealership level. And I don't think it's going to fundamentally change the way dealers and OEs have to work together to support their products and, and their customers. Yeah, my, my only point was on the car side. Okay, Ford has put uh, a time limit on the dealers making that first decision and won't. So if they choose not to go EV, and I think it's December this year, but don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure it is. Okay. Then they, they'll have to wait 2027 to opt in again, uh, putting pressure on their dealers. Okay. Uh, for a pretty large investment. So again, that's the car side. That's not what we deal with typically. Okay. We do with Ford medium duty trucks, but, uh, uh, but not as much as uh, as we do with other OEs. So uh, my real, I think what will come out in 2023 is what is going to be international's uh, mandate or, or investment recommendation, what's going to be Volvo's, what's going to be uh, Diameter and so forth. I think that'll start coming to light, okay? 
So, John, do you think that this EV thing is another another winnowing process in terms of winnowing out these smaller dealers and and continuing this this consolidation um, this this growth of, of these larger dealers is that just another lever point yeah I, I don't think consciously Keith I think okay. that I think that the dynamics are driving scale look 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 at the machinery side right these guys have already gone through this there's 47 caterpillar dealers or, you know this is we're just the last of the Mohicans right so right. The, 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 uh, the fundamentals are all in place to drive consolidation within the network, and they've been exacting themselves for 20 years. Is this going to contribute to it? Uh, you know what? I don't know that I see it being a sea level change sort of a thing, but it right. just might be another thing. If if you're sitting on the fence wondering whether you got a future or not, and then you start to think about making these incremental investments as well, this might be the one that pushes you over the edge. But I, I don't know that in and of itself uh, okay. this, this represents a big change or a big factor that's going to drive consolidation in, in all the OEM networks. Okay. What about profitability? We talked about profitability in 2022. What do you guys think profitability looks like for the the OE Class 8 dealer in 2023? How does that look different or is it more the same? What do you think? I, I would... I would guess, you know, the whole thing, are we going to fall into a recession? Okay, if if tonnage goes down and so forth. But uh, <coughs> I really believe that uh, as long as the recession is minor and doesn't last the whole year, that we'll end up pretty close to 2022 again from a fixed operation standpoint. Uh and from a variable standpoint, I'm far from an expert, but there's a whole lot of truck orders sitting out there waiting for production. So, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Keith, I'm, I'm kind of with Mark. I, uh, I, I don't foresee a huge recession. Uh, most of the talk of recession sort of vacillates back and forth. I don't think we're going to see a great economy in 2023, but I don't think we're going to re- see a recession or something that's going to drive our businesses into an uh, unprofitable state. I think we will see growth moderate a little bit in 2023. I think we're going to see uh, Class 8 sales increase. And so some of the parts and service work that's been uh, benefiting the OE dealer networks in 2021, I think, is going to dissipate because those trucks are going to get traded in. Uh, You know what? Having said that, the trucks are still going to have to be brought up to terms and conditions. And if those trucks go through the OEM dealer networks, then they're still going to get the parts and service. So we may be be, uh, changing who's paying the bill on some of that. But I expect 2023 to still be a good year for for uh, the OE dealer network. I don't think it'll be as good as 2022, but you know what? Uh, it could fall off 25% in 2023, which still look darn good. Right. Right. What else we got, gents, in terms of looking at 2023? Um, we've talked about employees. We've talked about EB. We've, we've talked about this consolidation and profitability. What else we got as we look out? Um, where will we be a year from now when we're doing this podcast? What do you think? What do you think we'll be talking about then? 
Hey, Keith, let me just throw one other thought on the table. Yeah. I just want to make sure we get this right. I think new truck sales are going to continue to be pretty good. Market talked about order receipts. Yeah. Holy smokes, mm-hmm. the last two months have just been unbelievable. Okay, so, you know, they're still going to, new truck side of the business is still going to keep up. Hopefully, you've got the sales capacity to, to uh, cover your markets. Okay, I think right. that'll be good. I think we talked a little bit about the used truck market. I think in the vocational sector, the medium duty sector, day cab, still going to be awful good. Uh, hang on to your hat in the sleeper sector. So, uh, you know, you, you add all that together, I, I, I see 2023 being a pretty, pretty good year for, for overall profitability. Yeah, yeah. I do too. So let's, let's go out to uh, December 2023. We're doing this podcast. What's the one thing that we're going to look back and say that really that's the thing that, that uh, was the most impactful in your opinion of, of what happened in the dealership business in 2023. Keith, I'll throw one out there for just kicking it around. Right. I think uh, product integration is going to become, uh, uh, I think it's going to be a plus and a minus if you're a customer. Okay. I think, um, I think on the plus side, you're going to see your, your uh, OEM supplier providing you, products that have more durability, more reliability, and brake less. I think you're going to see products that are designed to work together and improve fuel economy. Uh, I think all that's <laughs> going to come at the cost of if you're a transit uh, customer that takes drives your trucks to hither and yon, uh, it's going to dramatically reduce the number of places that you can go to get your trucks work on, and it might have dramatic uptime implications. But I think, uh, I you know, the, the the build-out rate in uh, in the Volvo product of their proprietary drivetrain is way high. Uh, we keep seeing more and more DT12 transmissions showing up in Freightliner product. Uh, uh, Packard's got their exclusive arrangements with a couple of the vendors in the marketplace, and International's talking about integrated drivetrains uh, with a lot of enthusiasm starting in 2022. So I think we're going to see more and more integrated drivetrains and more and more pricing pressure from OEMs to force customers into dry, uh, uh, buying their integrated drivetrains in 2023 than we've seen before. And I think that's going to have parts and service implications for our customers. And I think that's that's going to have uh, uptime implications for our customers. I think we'll see integrated drivetrains uh, increasing in their uh, proportion of OEM build in 2023. Okay. Mark, how about you? <clears throat> I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, um, I, I, the thing I worry about the most, okay, is the, it's the uh, technician shortage and how that's handled by the dealers uh, because it's not getting better. We'll still and, be talking about that next yeah, year. At this we'll, so I think we'll still be talking about that, okay, and those that uh, did a good job of building and creating the right culture and keeping them and, and paying them whatever that took to John's point about pay and so forth. Um, I, I think keeping up with the training and the technology uh, to John's point about the integrated uh, drive trains and so forth. Okay. Keeping your training uh, updated will be important to be successful next year. Uh, although, although uh, they'll be still pretty new as they come out next year might affect 2024 more. I'm not sure. But uh, I would be focusing on training as well. 
from a service standpoint? From a service standpoint, I think, I think one thing that that's going to uh, going to happen is you're going to continue to see the dealers, these large dealer groups, really push their suppliers, not not the OE and not the parts suppliers, but the DMS providers, people that provide technology to them to continue to develop um, technology solutions to get waste out of workflows. Um, there's still a tremendous amount of headcount that's that's utilized in one of these businesses that well, there's automated solutions that could be utilized, um, especially on the accounting side, that admin side, that uh, when you look at other businesses, other industries, they don't do the they don't do things the way we do it. We're much more um, labor heavy and uh, um, um, you know headcount heavy in some things that we do, and and I think that that that's one of the last big places in terms of of how to cut cost out of the equation that um, you know that that certainly we work with but it comes back now to the the OE providing technology solutions to the DMS provider to other technology providers to help take waste out of the equation and i think again that's a that's a big 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 piece of of uh, of a dealership's profitability is finding that waste that you don't see in a you know in a workflow per se but you know it's there and trying to get that waste out of the equation. I think that's that's something that we might have some conversation about a year from now, that there's been some some things that are happening that, uh, that start I, to do I, I think you're probably right. I hadn't thought about it, but there's already been some of that in 2022, uh, particularly from the uh, bigger groups and so forth. So uh, I think you're probably right. John, anything else you've got? Uh, Keith, I'm really encouraged by what I've seen in 2022. I think this has been a fabulous year for, for the dealer group. Yeah. And I think 2023 holds a lot of promise. There's uh, some warning flags and a few things that you better keep keep your eye on in 2023. But I think 2023 is destined to be another really good year if you're an OEM dealer. I do too. I do too. Gents, thanks again for taking time out of your busy day to spend an hour talking about this stuff. It's always fun. John, you referenced uh, used trucks before. You got time to come back in January. We talk a little bit of prog prognostication for 2023 used truck forecast. Oh, I'd look forward to that, Keith. Appreciate that uh, opportunity. Absolutely. I'd look forward to that, too. So, Mark, looks like next month we're, we're just going to listen to John for about an hour. How about that? Couldn't be better. We'll keep it 30, we'll keep it 30 minutes. <laughs> Maybe we ran a little long on this one, so they're looking for us to make it up next month. There we go. Jets, have a Merry Christmas. Appreciate it very much. And Merry Christmas. And uh, to all our listeners out there, Merry Christmas to you. If you've got questions about anything, please feel free to reach out to us at keaadvisors.com, and you can uh, get in touch with any, any of the three of us or anybody else. So once again, it's the Three Wise Truck Guys, and uh, – I think we're done for 2022. We'll see you guys next year. Happy New Year. All right. Happy New Year. Man. Go Wildcats.
Thanks for listening to Three Wise Truck Guys, the podcast from Key Advisors. We'd love to hear from you. Send us feedback, comments, and questions to info at keyadvisors.com.